Welcome to the Live Nourish podcast. I'm your host, Katarina Greer. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and the founder of LiveNourish.co, where you can find my blog, recipes, and services. On this podcast, I chat about all things health and wellness related to help you live a nourished life. Remember, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice. It is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome back to the final episode of season two. I can't believe that it is the end of season two and that I have done 28 episodes to date. So exciting. So I'm super excited to be closing off season two with this episode with Danielle from Revive Wellness. We go into all about just parasites. Some of you may be thinking, why parasites? But parasites are everywhere and they cause a lot of health problems and can mimic different things in the body. Like they can mimic hormone imbalances. So when you think that you might have PCOS, it could be parasites. And we just talk about her personal health story, how she got into nutrition, how to know if you do have parasites, how parasites interfere with digestion, hormones, immune, etc why parasites are so common nowadays, how you can minimize your exposure to parasites, where you should start if you suspect that you may have parasites, foods to eat while cleansing and avoid, and then we end off with cane coffee. So I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode and yeah, let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. I'm so excited to be chatting with you this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you just tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, sure. So, hey, I am Danielle Hively. So I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and I am also a certified personal trainer. And I primarily focus on helping women get to the root cause of their issues. I mainly see a lot of chronically ill women who have gone to many other doctors or other practitioners, naturopaths before, and just haven't gotten answers. So really kind of, I'm one of those last rope type of people for clients these days. And we primarily focus on opening drainage pathways, addressing parasites, and then digging to any other root cause issue that may be there, such as mycotoxins or heavy metals and Lyme infections. Mm, yeah, I feel like that's great because I feel like with lots of practitioners, I don't know, I feel like in the nutrition space, like it's like digestion hormones, but like drainage and is so important, like before even I guess digestion. I mean, I feel like they go hand in hand, but like you got to make sure that you're eliminating just toxins like pooping, like sweating, like yeah. I'm sure you know. <laughs> But no, drainage is a, yeah, that's a huge part that I see frequently missed from, yeah, either practitioners like you and I or naturopaths, definitely. And I honestly, I mean, I don't think they're trying to be neglectful. I just think that they weren't taught that, you know, in school. Yeah. So they, they also just don't know. It's the lack of knowledge there for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how did you get into nutrition? 
So I got into nutrition, kind of a long story, um, but I, so in 2008, I was graduating from college and I decided to go on a trip to celebrate to the Dominican Republic. And my last day, day there, my last full day there, I ended up having a dinner and got really sick and had to be hospitalized when I returned the next day. Um, and basically they kind of told me that they weren't really sure what happened. I probably ate, you know, some type of bad food or drank some water that was contaminated, put me on a round of antibiotics and I was in the hospital for a few days and then went home. But since that incident incident occurred, I, my digestion was never the same. Mm -hmm. So I realized very quickly that I wasn't able to eat a lot of foods without either experiencing like really intense stomach pains or having immediate diarrhea. So it happened for quite some time. I'd say I lived life like that until 2013 and then decided that enough was enough and I needed to find another route because it just wasn't cutting it. It's not a good feeling to not know, you know, how your body's mm -hmm. gonna respond to food. And so it was creating very fearful environments for me. So yeah, in 2013, I decided to do some research and I dove heavily into how to heal, you know, your gut naturally and read about glutamine and started taking that and just kind of found a few other things, digestive enzymes. And then it wasn't until 2016, so three years later, that I decided I would make the jump. Um, I really was just finding it extremely valuable, everything that I was reading online and what I was learning that I really thought I wanted to bring this to the masses. So I decided to go back to school in 2016 and I joined the NTA. And then I also went to school at IAN, um, the Integrative Institute for Nutrition, and did both of those at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> a Sometimes. lot, but I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, graduated in 2017 and yeah, that was the start of all of this. So. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like that's it with like a lot of people, like one thing just kind of starts the trajectory and just, you know, sets you on your way to like finding like how to just like heal, you know, heal your body. Yeah, it's true. That's all you need is one traumatic event and it could change it, you know, change the game for you. Yeah. So let's get into parasites. Um, how does someone know if they have a parasite and does everyone really have parasites? So, right. So parasites are one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. So my favorite testing is, you know, do you have a pulse, right? Like check your pulse. Are you alive? If you're a living person. Yeah. I mean, it's very highly likely. I would say 98%, you know, of people mm -hmm. that I work with, I've seen almost 300 people in the last six months. And mm -hmm. only one of those people didn't have parasites and people always mm -hmm. ask why, you know, like what was the deal with her? Um, and I think for her, you know, she had already done a lot of work before she came to see mm -hmm. me. So she wasn't, yeah, one of those really chronically ill people. And I think her body was just really in an optimal place for sure. Mm -hmm. she had sufficient stomach acid. She had already gone through a couple of rounds of parasite cleansing previously. And so when mm -hmm. she came to me, she was already in a really good state. But for the majority of people, yeah, we do have parasites. We have to understand that just like animals, we're not viewed as humans to parasites. You know, we're just mm -hmm. as a host for them. Yeah. And so they don't really know the difference between us or an animal. And so again, we're just providing a safe environment for them to live and thrive and, and grow and, and get food. So yeah, I mean, I think most people have parasites. It's definitely not talked about enough. 
most other countries are well aware, you know, of the parasites um, that we're exposed to on a regular basis. And they already have practices in place where they're either doing, you know, regular, regular parasite cleansing or they're consuming foods that are, you know, primarily anti-parasitic. So mm -hmm. yes, I would say everyone does pretty much have parasites. The goal is never to completely eradicate them from your body. Um, people always ask that too, like, how will I know when I'm done parasite mm -hmm. cleansing? And really it's always about signs and symptoms. You know, if you still mm -hmm. have really intense signs and symptoms, and there's obviously, you know, things that are causing those parasites to be active, continue to grow and flourish in your body, then surely you still need to be doing some type of protocol to clear them out. But our goal in life is to never be sterile. You want to always live in harmony with bacteria, parasites, and mold, because all of those things, although we talk about them in harmful ways, they do have positive aspects to them as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's hard. We kind of have to switch our brain a little bit for that um, and kind of see it from both angles. Huh. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. I guess that you didn't want to get rid of all of them. So may I ask like why? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we also have to understand too, like the same thing with bacteria and mold, you know, like we are, the human body is more bacteria cells than it is human cells. So obviously we can't, you know, we cannot eradicate bacteria as a whole. They do a lot for us um, in terms of parasites. Yeah. I mean, certain parasites are actually going to be protective in the body. Um, all worm like parasites can store heavy metals, mold, and, um, you know, other bacteria in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so they're already doing you a favor by that, right? By, by taking mm -hmm. that action and consuming those things and storing it. Um, so that can be, you know, a piece of the puzzle for some people where they may be living with them and they don't feel as though they have a high toxicity bucket. Those parasites could be doing some cleanup work for them internally. Mm -hmm. There is decent, decently new research. I think it was published in 2018 um, around using hookworms for clients who were struggling with colitis and other, you know, chronic uh, gut issues as well. So I think they did colitis, maybe they did someone with Crohn's as well, um, but they were using hookworms to essentially consume the bad bacteria. Um, and then restored the body, you know, to its normal level. I don't know how they got the hookworm out. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they left it in there, but uh, yes, it was very interesting research. So yeah, there is, you know, they are trying to find other ways and modalities to use these parasites. Because again, as I mentioned, yeah, they, they do have the capability of consuming those other harmful toxins and, and getting them out of your body. So, you know, to some extent, we just kind of, again, we have to learn to live in harmony with them. There are intracellular parasites that may, you know, that may not be causing an issue for you at that time. Is it really important for you to go after and get it out? No. Um, if it does present in the future with other signs and symptoms, then sure, that may be a time that you would need to address it. So it's definitely very bio-individual. You know, again, signs and symptoms are always the number one sign from your body as to whether or not you're struggling with them or not. Um, and then certainly looking at, you know, some other testing for sure. But yeah, you don't, we don't want to be sterile individuals. We want to be exposed to all of these things, whether it's bacteria, viruses, mold, um, you know, parasites, all of that, you know, it's important for us to develop strong microbiomes and be able to create, you know, antibodies against things that we come in contact with so that we can have in a strong, you know, resilient immune system. Right. Yeah. So how do parasites interfere with digestion, hormones, 
immune system and the rest of our body. Yeah. My gosh. So, so many different ways. Yeah. So let's start with digestion first. So Mm -hmm. there's so many different kinds of parasites, but let's talk about, we'll talk about parasitic worms to start. So helmets is the category that they fall into and helmets are parasitic worms. Um, Typically they're visible to the eye. So you would normally see them if you are doing a parasite protocol and passing them out of the body. In terms of digestion, a lot of parasitic worms do like to reside within the intestinal tract, whether it's in the gut, in the gallbladder, in the bile ducts, in the liver, small, large intestine, or the pancreas. Um, that's primarily where we think, you know, when we talk about digestion, that's what we're, we're talking about are all of those major organs. So yeah, a lot of parasitic worms, um, liver flukes will, can, you know, go into the liver. They can live there up, you know, 25, 30 years and mm-hmm. they can physically eat and consume your liver. Um, so they actually do create holes in the liver. And so that's a huge stress. Um, on the liver as it's trying to constantly repair that damage while also doing its main job of removing toxins from the body. So liver flukes are definitely one of the most invasive parasites. Um, They can cause a lot, a lot of damage on the liver. Um, They can also migrate, as I mentioned, to the bile ducts and then cause significant stagnation in the gallbladder, in the bile in and of itself. So I just had a call earlier um, this morning with a client. And that was the specific, uh, parasite that she resonated with was the one that goes, you know, it can be a liver fluke, but it can also migrate from the, into the bile ducts and then in, eventually into the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can absolutely cause a lot of issues with digesting fats. Um, people will primarily rotate, you know, between constipation, diarrhea, all that kind of stuff. So in terms of digestion, it's definitely going to cause one of those two things, right? It can cause constipation, diarrhea, Um, Other parasitic worms will physically attach onto the intestinal lining Mm -hmm. and they create a hole in the intestinal lining. So then you have issues of leaky gut. Um, That one is a very common parasite. A specific one is very common. It primarily comes from undercooked pork Mm -hmm. and I see it resonate a lot with people. So that one, you know, although it sounds really gross, it is very, very common. So leaky gut is a big one that we see with parasites. Um, but there's so many signs and symptoms in terms of digestion, acid reflux, again, trouble digesting fats, floating stools, um, obviously any kind of bloating, abdominal pain, you know, those are dead giveaways. That was me was that, you know, when I returned on that trip, I mean, it was excruciating stabbing pain. Mm -hmm. Um, it honestly felt, I described it to the people as it felt like a knife was in your stomach. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was stabbing, stabbing pain. So that's a big one when you have intestinal parasites. Um, And then, yeah, the diarrhea, some people can have vomiting, um, but diarrhea, constipation, pretty much, you know, go hand in hand with that. Okay. Wow. Um, And then it was, what was the other one was hormones. Uh, Yeah. Hormones and immune. And then immune. Yeah. So let's do immune first. So yeah, immune, uh, you know, 80% of your immune system resides in the gut. So Mm -hmm. obviously if there are parasites in the GI tract and they're causing, you know, all of those issues that we mentioned, the immune system as a whole is going to take a giant, giant hit. The other piece of it too, is that when we are fighting infection of any kind, whether it's bacteria, mycotoxins, um, you know, or these parasites, your immune system is going to also shift, right? Like it's going to focus now on building these other really specific immune cells um, to go after those things. But then the other piece of it, like where it just needs to keep you strong and healthy is going to suffer, you know, so that part shifts a little bit with those um, immune cells in the body. So essentially weakens your immune system um, because your body has now shifted to prioritizing that instead of 
focusing on just regular, you know, normal immunity. As I mentioned, you know, we're exposed to bacteria and, and viruses all over constantly, you know, throughout the day. Um, and so that's, that's a huge piece of it. So it definitely weakens your immune system. Um, I would say you are absolutely more susceptible, you know, to getting bacterial infections, viral infections, things like that. Um, certainly if you have those parasitic worms that are eating the intestinal lining, I mean, that just the floodgates just open there for, you know, immune dysregulation and hormones definitely is a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, as a whole, we know that stress in general is going to already manipulate and tank hormones. Um, when our body prioritizes stress and cortisol regulation over sex hormones and over your appetite, which is, you know, your thyroid, that's really where you're going to see a major shift. So stress can either be internal or external or both. So internally, if you have that stress of the parasites and you don't know, or maybe you do, your body regardless is still in a stressed state while it's trying to fight those pathogens off. So that already is going to shift the focus from the sex and the thyroid hormones and shift it to the adrenal and stress hormones. However, you can also have parasites that can go to the uterus, can go to the ovaries, and they can live there. So parasites can live in any organ in the body. They can live in the space in between your cells, and they can live inside the cells themselves. So that can also be a piece of the puzzle for a lot of people. Um, what we see, what I've seen, you know, recently too, is with you know, any type of ovarian cysts. And when you're talking about things like PCOS and, um, you know, fibroids in the ovaries, all of that, you know, you have to dig deeper. You just have to, because a lot of that can be from parasites or some other intracellular bacteria. You know, that's a huge piece of that too. But um, so yeah, as a whole, I mean, parasites can really do a number on the body depending on where they are. You know, and that's hard. There is no one test that's going to tell you oh yeah, you have parasites, you know, in, in your ovaries. Um, certainly there are people that do in-person and virtual muscle testing. Um, and that can absolutely give you some good indications. I don't offer that in my practice. I just personally believe that's a spiritual gift that people have been given to be able to do it virtually. Um, but yeah, I've had it done on myself in person and yeah, one of my close friends, you know, she was like, yeah, you know, they're definitely in the ovaries. And I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. I would was really struggling with heavy periods and really painful cramping. Um, finally, you know, got them out past it and it was much, much better. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it really, as a whole, it's going to, it's going to take a lot. Um, the definitely, I would say the sex hormones probably take the brunt of it in terms of parasitic infections. Wow. That's just crazy that they can live like anywhere. And people, Mm -hmm. I feel like just think it's like the digestive system, but like, yeah, they could be anywhere. Like you said, like your ovaries. They can, they can be anywhere. Yeah, I did. I passed mine. I did have another client. So myself and another client, we both passed Mm -hmm. ours through, um, through like your period, like when you have your cycle. Yeah. Like through your period blood. Yeah. So it was crazy. Yeah. Like I had dumped my cup and then, um, I'd gone to wipe and it was, it was there. And yeah, I mean, it's not, it wasn't your normal period. It was a, it was a parasite there. So yeah. And it's wild. And you also just feel different too, you know, like that. Yeah. Like the cramping was gone, like it was alleviated. And so that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a big piece of that, but yeah, they can be, 
any parts of the body. There are specific parasites that will go to the eyes, um, really, mm -hmm. really affect the eyes, cause damage there, then cause cysts in the eyes. Um, mm -hmm. There's other parasites that can go to the brain. Um, there's a lot that are linked to OCD, to schizophrenia, other mental illness. Um, and so it is, you know, it's hard for me to see that and then know how many people in this world struggle with mental illness and disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's frustrating because it's what, you know, like a $600 thing that we could get them on a parasite protocol, see what mm -hmm. kind of relief they would have, and it could free them, you know, from, from whatever they're experiencing. So mm -hmm. It's a lot of different, a lot of different things are, are connected to parasites these days. Yeah, for sure. So why are parasites so common now? And why can't our bodies, you know, not eliminate like they're supposed to? Uh, so it's not even that I think they're so common now, but I think that we as a society just aren't regular parasite cleansing, mm -hmm. you know? So as I mentioned, um, you know, in South Africa and in India, um, I know two specifically there, you know, two several people that have, have come from those um, areas and that's part of their tradition, you know, like they mm, just okay. regularly parasite cleanse, um, whether it's consuming, you know, foods all the time that are antiparasitic, mm. um, but specifically like taking antiparasitics. So that is part of their culture and they, they do know to do that inherently. I do probably think that at some point that we also had part of that in our, you know, in our lives. Um, so I think that's a piece of it is that we've just gotten away like ancestrally from doing that and not consuming antiparasitic foods on a regular basis. But then also, you know, we're really, really depleting our stomach acid on a regular basis. And that's your first internal line of defense against parasites. So certainly, um, and I should mention par any par anything that you were going to eat, right? The stomach acid is your first internal line of defense. Otherwise, it would be your skin, um, mm -hmm. because other parasites that they're microscopic and they can pass through through skin. So internally, anything that you consume, stomach acid is your first internal line of defense. And what we see again with stress, um, with a whole host of other other reasons, our stomach acid levels are wildly depleted these days. I see every single client that I work with has little to no stomach acid. Um, it can be from taking prescription drugs, from over-the-counter medications daily, from not properly chewing your food, from eating rushed. So you're eating mm. when you're running out the door, eating in the car, standing, um, from you know several other reasons too. I mean, the list is so, so vast. Mm. So that's a big, big piece of it is that number one, we have very low stomach acid and we're not replenishing it. And especially too, if you're drinking around meals, you know, we were always taught that in the MTA, right? We don't want to chug liquids around mealtime because mm -hmm. that's already going to deplete your stomach acid. Um, carbonation drinks, you know, so many people are mm -hmm. hooked on that right now with those flavored sparkling waters mm -hmm. and all of that, that depletes your stomach acid. Mm -hmm. So I see stomach acid deficiency as a big cause of, of why we're so susceptible to parasites. Um, other than that, you know, it's definitely your environment. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people own pets and the more pets you have, you know, the more likely you are to be exposed, especially cats. Mm -hmm. um, cats, unfortunately, are just a very dirty animal. And yeah, they carry one of the most aggressive parasites. Um, so it's definitely something to reconsider for sure. Um, not that, you know, if you're a cat lover, great, but you just need to be taking some other 
intense precautions um, so that you're not exposing yourself to that. So I think it's our environment and then that big lack of stomach acid where we're just inundating, you know, our bodies with all of this and our toxicity bucket. You know, everybody's born with a different toxicity bucket load. Um, certain peoples are going to be heavier than others. And the heavier yours is, the less likely you are to be able to properly, you know, eliminate and fight off parasites on your own. Mm-hmm. I don't think in general that most people, you know, can fight off parasites without taking antiparasitics. Um, I do think that has to be a piece of the puzzle and you definitely should be consuming antiparasitic foods too. But um, yeah, most people, you do need a little bit of that fighter help from the antiparasitics to get them out. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, it's, it's everything. It's our stress, it's our toxicity bucket, stomach acid depletion, and then your environment that really affect how many, you know, how your likelihood, I should say, of being exposed and, and how many, you know, you're going to really come in contact with over a lifetime. Okay, leads me to my next question. Um, How can you minimize your exposure to parasites? So definitely, obviously the pet thing, right? Number one. So Mm -hmm. making just better decisions about your pets, like regularly deworming your cats and dogs, Mm -hmm. um, making sure, especially with the cat that your litter box is not I personally wouldn't have it inside the home. I would have it in like a garage or on a deck or porch or something like that. Um, If you must have it inside the home, it definitely should be in an area that is infrequently used. Um, You do not want to be, it should not be in the kitchen, shouldn't be in a bathroom, nothing like that. Um, And certainly when you're handling cat litter, I would highly suggest wearing gloves. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Even if you're using like a scooper, doesn't matter. I mean, this parasite is not one to be messed with for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one that can go to the brain and cause severe neurological damage. Yeah. So that's a big one. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the other ways, you know, it's really tough because a lot of them, it's just stuff that we do on a daily basis. You know, like if you've ever swam in freshwater, you know, river, lake, mm-hmm. stream, most people have done that. Um, and that's fine. You can still do that. It's just, you want to regularly parasite cleanse. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, if you've ever done that, um, improperly washing produce, so fruits and vegetables, Mm -hmm. if you're not washing your produce properly, um, you definitely, you know, that's a source of exposure, certain foods, uh, as I already mentioned pork earlier. Um, so pork, you know, unfortunately those little pigs, poor things, you know, they don't have the ability to remove toxins from their body. And then they also eat anything. Um, mm-hmm. So they would eat a dead body if they, if you put it in front of them, you know, mm-hmm. they literally eat anything. And because of that, um, if they, the second they eat something that has a parasite in there, that parasite is going to enter their body. There's going to be so many toxins in there for it to thrive and grow on them um, that it just, you know, it's a massive, massive source of parasites, pork. Mm-hmm. Um, and most, most, I would say a decent amount of cultures know that and already do stay away from pork in general, or there are, are cultures that will only consume pork in specific months of mm. the year, um, early, like, and two, they'll kill them younger, you know, like they don't mm. let them live that long so that it minimizes the exposure too. Um, so pork, obviously any undercooked food and, or seafood, Um, so if you were doing, you know, even like beef carpaccio, right, like raw beef or sushi, um, that's, you know, increasing your exposure. Cod is what I would say probably one of the number one fish, 
um, mm. of parasites. So definitely, <laughs> I would say mm. stay away from cod, um, eat any other fish for sure. And just always make sure you're properly cooking, you know, your meat and seafood. Um, so yeah, those are all major sources. Contaminated water is a big one. Um, whether you have a well or city, you know, county water is, is here or there, both could be contaminated for sure, but well, you know, it could be more so contaminated um, than others. It's very important to filter water regardless. So that's a big one, even in the shower, you know, the shower could be a source mm -hmm. too, if that's not filtered. Um, so contaminated food or water, you know, if you're out at a restaurant, you know, you can get exposure that way. Um, a lot of people, right, we always like to say, oh, I had food poisoning. Well, really, what was it? You know, the food didn't just decide to poison you. It's mm -hmm. either bacteria or parasite. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely something to be cognizant of. So there's so many, so many different sources of exposure. Soil is a big one as well. Um, lots of, you know, different parasites can be on the soil, especially if you're walking barefoot in the same area that you're letting your animals and pets um, defecate and mm -hmm. urinate in. You definitely do not want to be walking barefoot on that same ground. Um, because you can absolutely increase your exposure of, of a parasite that way. Mm. So it's a long list. There's a, there's a lot there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. I didn't know that about cats though. Cause I have a cat and now I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> Uh, cats are, I know, cats are a big one. Um, yeah. Is there so a difference cats, though? Um, because my cat's in an indoor cat. Is there, cause like she doesn't go outside. Does that change? No, there's not. No. Yeah. There's not a difference. Yeah. It's the, so it's, yeah. So toxo is the specific parasite that I'm referring to. Um, it can come from cats and dogs, but primarily cats are a big, big carrier of it. Um, and so that is why they do say if you're pregnant or you're planning to become pregnant, you should never, ever handle cat litter. Um, that's super, super important because again, you can, you increase your risk of being exposed that way. So no, it doesn't matter if it's an indoor or outdoor cat. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, where should yeah. someone start if they suspect that they have parasites? So they should start with drainage. <laughs> um, you definitely have to start with drainage. That is number one for sure. So you definitely do not want to go into any type of parasite protocol without addressing drainage first. Um, that's super, super, super important. Yeah. So drainage again is making sure that you're opening those seven drainage pathways. Um, mm -hmm. I talk a lot about this um, on my Instagram and, and with clients. So we always start by opening the colon and then you have the liver and the gallbladder the skin, the kidneys, and the lungs. You have mm -hmm. your lymphatic system and then your brain lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. So you wanna make sure that all seven systems are completely wide and open um, for the most part, you know, before you go into a parasite protocol. And the reason why we do that is because if you don't open those pathways and you start diving into a really specific targeted parasite or bacteria, you know, eradication protocol, um, and, and those pathways are clogged, then those toxins are going to recirculate and cause a whole host of issues in the body. Mm. So very, mm. very important. So you got to always, always, always start with drainage first. That is mm -hmm. the most important thing. Yeah. Um, so that is the very first place to start. So drainage, and then you would want to work, honestly, you should definitely work with a practitioner when you are mm -hmm. exploring parasites, because I, again, I've seen so many people, either they did it on their own or they went through a naturopath and miss several key steps. Um, mm -hmm. So I always follow a very important order of operations in my practice. And so we always start with drainage, then you go after um, parasites, then you would go after heavy metals and mold, and then you would go after bacteria and any type of infection from a biting insect. Mm -hmm. So 
very important to follow that. I do not suggest, you know, skipping around or just choosing to do one thing and not the other things. Um, it does not work well that way. Mm. Okay. Um, so what are some foods that someone should eat while cleansing and also avoid? Yeah. So avoid, we already mentioned, right? So the pork, yeah. So pork, cod, and sushi are definitely the biggest Mm -hmm. ones that I would say to completely avoid during a parasite protocol. Um, Dairy is definitely something that I have most clients keep to a minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just because you're more likely to react to dairy when you're doing a parasite Mm -hmm. protocol. Um, So dairy can be a very triggering food when there are parasites in the body. Um, A lot of parasites will consume dairy and then they poop out the byproduct and that's what your body reacts to. So Mm -hmm. some people will say, oh, like I have a true dairy allergy or sensitivity and a lot of times it's from specifically from the parasites yeah okay wow yeah so dairy I would definitely keep to a minimum when you're doing parasite eradication um in terms of foods to eat so I really love um garlic you know raw garlic um is excellent and then papaya and pumpkin seeds are both Mm -hmm. really really great both strong anti-parasitics. Olive oil also has some really good research behind it in terms of being a strong anti-parasitic. Coconut oil as well is good, not necessarily anti-parasitic, but all antibacterial and microbial. Mm. So that can give you like a one-up while you're also consuming, you know, the pumpkin and papaya seeds. And then my love is uh, reishi. So Mm. yeah, reishi, um, reishi mushroom is amazing as an anti-parasitic. Um, a lot of us drink it as the King coffee, um, mm-hmm. but you can definitely, you know, have it in any form, but yeah, really, really big anti-parasitic. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Any other fruits besides papaya or papaya, like seeds and such? Like, oh, just the papaya seeds. Okay. Yeah. So the papaya seeds primarily, mm-hmm. and yeah, just the pumpkin seeds too. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. there aren't too many other, okay. yeah, like fruits or anything that are specific. Yeah. Anti-parasitics. Okay. So could you just talk about the King Coffee from Organo and just like the benefits of reishi? Because I know that there's so many. <laughs> there are so many. Yeah, it's a very long list. So there's, so reishi has been around number one since for 5,000 years, you know, maybe mm-hmm. even longer, but yeah. reishi is known as the king of all mushrooms. And primarily back in the day, it was used in, um, so it's from, you know, Chinese Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was given only to the emperors and the elite um, of the Chinese, you know, empire there. And so it was only like, no one else was allowed to consume it. It was only for the Chinese emperor um, and the people of the royal family. So reishi in and of itself is extremely, extremely powerful. Um, it is a giant anti-parasitic. Um, mm-hmm. It is also wonderful for hormonal balancing. Mm-hmm. It's great for cognitive support and help. It has helped people with depression and anxiety. It helped really regulates um, your body so that it comes back into homeostasis. So if you're somebody who's struggling with chronic stress or anxiety, it's definitely an amazing supplement to try. Um, The coffee in itself may not be for everyone at first, especially if you do have a really overburdened, overwhelmed system because the caffeine could be triggering, but you can definitely do just the reishi spore capsules Mm -hmm. and that can absolutely give you the benefit. So that's the difference between organo reishi coffee and just regular, you know, reishi coffee out there mm-hmm. is that they use a patented process where they're able to extract the spores from the reishi mushroom. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about a mushroom, you have the roots of the mushroom with our, which are the mycelium. Um, and then you have the body of the mushroom, which is the Ganoderma, 
And then you have the top of the mushroom, which is the fruiting, right? The little fruiting body there. And inside there are the spores. And that's how the mushrooms spread. That's how they repopulate, grow, all of that. So that's where organo is able to really get the primary benefits is from the spores. So all of spores contain these incredible medicinal properties. So it's not quite you know, the same as just regular, you know, reishi as if the entire body of the mushroom is ground. Um, there's something very unique just to the spore capsules um, or the spores in general themselves. So in the King Coffee, there are the spores. And then, as I mentioned, you can also get the spore capsules if you wanted to just explore that too. Um, but yeah, so I've, again, I've used it myself. A lot of clients use it for a whole host of different reasons, but I would say, you know, the mood balancing, the hormonal balancing, and obviously the antiparasitic are probably the three biggest things that I notice, you know, with clients as they're consuming it. Mm. Okay. And also yeah. I know that when I first started it, like you can start with just like half a packet or even like a quarter, just because of like the strength of it is so strong. Or also like I start with the black coffee if you yeah. want to go that route too. So true. Yeah. Such mm. a good point. Yeah. The black coffee is totally fine to start with. Yeah. When I first started, i started with a quarter of a packet and it took mm. me such a long time okay. to get up mm. to a full one. Um, again, I had a lot of parasites that were in the liver and gallbladder. And so that mm. was really, you know, okay. again, we're filtering out caffeine through the liver. And so if you have toxins mm. there, that's going to be, yeah, that's usually a big reason why people can't handle it is because the liver is so overburdened, overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's a great, I, I, it's a great, great, you know, medicinal tool. It is an adaptogen. So just like mm -hmm. ashwagandha and maca, you know, the more frequently you take it, the better the results are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then also too, it's, you know, it's working with your body. So that's why everyone's results are different. You know, we're all bio-individuals. So what mm -hmm. I need and what I, you know, need for balancing is, is what, that's what the reishi is going to do for me. But what you need is, you know, that's what it's going to do for you. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily going to be exactly the same response for each person. For sure. Yeah. And so my last question is, what is one thing that you do to live nourished? So, well, obviously I drink the reishi coffee, <laughs> <laughs> which helps me good, but no. So every morning, um, before I get out of bed, as soon as I wake up, I say three things that I am grateful for that day. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I implemented. I don't know, probably now it's been seven years. Wow. Um, just okay. being really consistent. Yeah. Because it really does change your mindset mm -hmm. for the entire day. And I really do try, like I say those three things, but then throughout the day, I also try and say, you know, three other things. And I try and mm -hmm. just stay in this really centered and grounded place of gratitude mm -hmm. um, because there's so many incredible blessings that we've been given and mm -hmm. we're moving so quickly throughout our lives that we really don't see them and appreciate it for what it is. Um, and for me and for other people who have struggled with chronic illness, when you're able to take part of your life back, it's an incredible gift. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that cannot be replaced. And I just felt like I needed to just always be thankful and just thanking God for that, you know, every mm -hmm. single day. Um, so that's it. So yeah, the Rishi and I, I would say everyone to try that. Um, and I love, I love doing it and it really does set your day up for, for success. Mm, that's so good to hear yeah I started doing that just like in my journal writing down things and I feel like it really does change your mindset for sure and just like I feel like your brain too just to be yeah in a state of just like gratitude and just like being thankful for just oh, so many yes. things yeah it's so true yeah instead of 
you know, waking up a lot of times people wake up, they're like, oh my gosh, I have this long to-do list. I'm already so stressed. My kid is sick, whatever. And it's like, hold on, like, let's reframe this. You know, things could be a whole lot worse and you just need, like, you need to be centered in that, in that grateful place. Um, all of us really should, you know, the world would be a thousand times better place. Yeah. If we that. <laughs> but I love it. And I think, yeah, just, it totally reframes your mind, you know, mm, for sure. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Danielle. Really love chatting with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me.